One of pop music's most iconic producers is opening up about how God literally saved his life. We'll tell you more. Also, a newly unearthed letter from Bonhoeffer reveals how much he admired a surprising fellow religious leader. And the hunt for a Captain Marvel 2 director is underway. We'll tell you our picks. That's all ahead. This is Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Carey. Welcome to Relevant Daily, where we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All those stories are coming up, but first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Translating the Bible requires a delicate blend of accuracy and readability. The Christian Standard Bible pursues that blend, upholding fidelity to the original languages and presenting scripture compellingly for our modern English context. It's accurate, readable, and shareable. The Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com slash relevant to learn more. That's csbible.com slash relevant. All right, so tell us about today's stories. It's our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, happy Thursday, man. Hey, happy Thursday, Jesse. Hey, man. So first up, we want to talk about the legendary Virginia Beach's own Timberland. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's hometown hero for years. Oh, big he? time. Big time. I mean, he thanks to him, you know, we have a from this region, uh, Missy Elliott, Pharrell, N.E.R.D., uh, Clips. Uh, you know, there's a lot of artists from this region that, that have him to thank for their careers. But also mm-hmm. on, uh, you know... The you know national stage, a lot of the last years of uh, twenty years of pop music have been influenced by by Timbaland, and now you know he's getting pretty vulnerable about his issues with addiction. Provide some context here, Tyler. Yeah, so Timbaland's real name is Tim Mosley, and really, you could make if there's a Mount Rushmore of American pop music, he should probably be on it. Uh, this guy produced, in addition to who you mentioned, uh, like Tupac, Aaliyah, Snoop, Janet Jackson, Jay Z, Beck, Drake, Alicia Keys, Coldplay, Jamie Foxx, Jennifer Hudson, Kanye, Madonna, Pharrell, Justin Timberlake. We could really go on here. Uh, most recently, he worked with King and Country and Echo Smith for a remix of that God Only Knows song. Um, and now he's opened up. It was, this was an interesting conversation. He talked to yeah. men's health about how God saved his life. His words. He, he explained how after a root canal that helped kind of turned into an old injury flare up, he developed an addiction to strong prescription painkillers, and uh, he began to use those to deal with stress in his personal life. What, what did he say in this interview? So the quote is this. He said, quote, it put me in a great feeling of not caring, of just being free. I'm like traveling, doing shows, popping, I'm having fun, just being ignorant. But he says one night after his health began to decline, he had a dream that caused him to seek God's help. He said, I had a dream that death was near. I saw myself with a white face. Um, he, he spoke with his pastor, T. Jakes, and he explained that was the path chosen for me. God was rebuilding my character. So Tyler, what was it that, you know, like kind of really inspired him in addition to this dream he had to kick his addiction? And how does he describe his relationship with God now that he's you know kind of gone through this process? Yeah, he said that it took uh, it took God's help, and it also took a lot of support from his family. But he weaned himself off of these pills, and he said it was quote one of the toughest things I've been through. The only thing that got me through it were my kids, my girl, the help of God, keeping my mind still. And he's now dedicated himself to living healthy and has a renewed reliance on faith. He says God has me under construction, which I'm still under. I don't feel like I'm complete. I don't ever want to feel like I'm complete because my mind would probably get idle. God needed me to be clear so I could see what. 
is needed, not what I want. It, it's cool to see, you know, there's obviously a lot of sad stories about people's experiences with addiction, really encouraging to hear a, a positive one and, and, you know, good for him. That yeah. looks, that's tough. And it's I love tough. how he frames it there that God has him under construction. You know, he says, uh, I don't feel yeah. like it's complete. Like this is a journey and a process. And, you know, uh, he, he sees God as, as, a, as a constant figure in his life, not just one that kind of helped him get out of the cycle of addiction. I think that's a really healthy perspective to have. Yeah, like, absolutely. Listen, we're still all human and we need a higher power, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, all right. Well, Tyler, in other news, this was a really interesting, this is a fascinating story. A yeah. newly discovered letter from Diedrich Bonhoeffer has been found and the correspondence is with a you know a somewhat of an unexpected individual but the the contents of this letter i found you know just just fascinating especially consider that Bonhoeffer you know in the Bonhoeffer society uh, has been in the news lately. Yeah, this is actually the second time Dietrich Bonhoeffer's come up on this podcast recently. We don't talk about him a whole lot, but he casts a huge shadow, Dietrich Bonhoeffer does, over American Christianity, over globe, really Western Christianity as a whole. Pastor, author, pacifist, activist. Um, the Bonhoeffer Society, who we spoke about recently because they called for the removal of President Donald Trump, they've done their best to really preserve and study Bonhoeffer's legacy and the group of scholars that make up the society are still making new discoveries about his work. Of particular note is a newly unearthed letter that Bonhoeffer wrote to Indian activist and pacifist icon Mahatma Gandhi. This letter was was presented and translated by a member of the society named Clifford Green. In the letter, Bonhoeffer expresses his deep admiration and love for Gandhi and asks for permission to come and stay with him to study his movement. Wow. So that I mean, that's pretty significant. Uh, very surprising. Uh, you, know, yes. you know, both of them are very significant historical figures, not just uh, uh, for their roles in sort of shaping modern history or their efforts to shape modern history, but also because they each held kind of deeply religious and spiritual ideas that people have mm -hmm. looked back at their work for uh, to kind of. Uh, you know, glean from their perspective. Tell her, what did the letter that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote to Gandhi say and and did it, did it give an indication of why he admired Gandhi so much considering that they both come from different sort of belief systems? Right. So this was an example of, of a surprising interfaith relationship and, and, and admiration, at least on Bonhoeffer's part, for Gandhi. Uh, Bonhoeffer wrote in this letter, and it's a very long letter. We've posted it all over relevantmagazine.com. But in part, it says, quote, from all I know about you and your work, having studied your books and your movement for a few years, I feel we Western Christians should try to learn from you what realization of faith means, what a life devoted to political and racial peace can attain. Uh, this letter, of course, has been translated to English from the original German, I should say. Now, of course, you know, Gandhi wasn't a Christian, uh, you know, or didn't identify right. as a Christian. That, that's correct, right? Like, yeah. how would you define his sort of religious leanings? It, it, it really shifted a lot throughout his life. Uh, it evolved. Uh, he, he declared himself towards uh, throughout most of his life to be a Hindu, but he was very pluralist in his influences. Uh, he talked very openly about his admiration for Christian thought, Islam thought, Buddhist teachings. He read a lot of people like Tolstoy, Thoreau, and Ruskin, uh, and he championed a, a religious pluralism ideology throughout his life and was v heavily criticized for it in his home country. 
And Bonhoeffer was aware of this too. He wrote in this letter, quote, I know, of course, you are not a baptized Christian, but the people whose faith Jesus praised mostly did not belong to the official church at that time either, which is a pretty controversial statement then and then certainly still today to say something like that. Yeah. Well, even though Bonhoeffer clearly acknowledges there that they have different perspectives when it comes to religion, he still Mm -hmm. felt like he had something to learn from Gandhi. What did what did he kind of say in the letter? So he said, and this is where it gets, uh, I thought was was very interesting. Uh, He wrote, we are having great theologians in Germany, which is true. Germany, obviously the scene at that time of a lot of really important theological work, uh, which is really interesting to contrast with what what was happening politically at the time. Uh, Bonhoeffer noted his friend and colleague, Karl Barth in particular, as somebody that he really loved and was influenced by. And he said, they are teaching us great theological thoughts of the Reformation anew, but there is no one to show us the way towards a new Christian life in uncompromising accordance with the Sermon on the Mount. It is in this respect that I am looking to you for help. Bonhoeffer also notes that I went to the USA to find what I was looking for, but did not find it. I do want to accuse myself. I do. And he said, I do not want to accuse myself of having missed the one great occasion in my life to learn the meaning of Christian life, of real community life, of truth and love in reality. So very moving, very compelling thoughts there. Not clear whether or not Gandhi ever responded to Bonhoeffer uh, or we don't. It doesn't look like Bonhoeffer ever got the opportunity to go stay with Gandhi. He was imprisoned by Nazi Germany and he was actually executed for conspiring against Hitler. And Gandhi himself was assassinated just a few years later. So both of these men who were who really preached pacifism, uh, an extreme pacifism by the standards of their time and of ours ended up dying on that hill very literally so it's a fascinating letter the whole thing is posted i would encourage you to read it because it's it's quite a find from the bonhoeffer society here yeah absolutely and like you said people can go check that out check that out over at relevantmagazine.com well uh tyler finally the hunt for the captain marvel 2 director is on and you have some thoughts (laughs) <laughs> we have to, we kind of went back and forth on this a little bit, Jesse. Yeah. I'll, I'll want to hear a little from you too. But yes, uh, not surprisingly, a new report confirms that Marvel is hard at work on a sequel to Captain Marvel, its billion dollar box office behemoth from 2019. But what is a little more surprising is that the co directors of this first movie, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, uh, who wrote and directed the movie, won't be handling the sequel. Apparently, Disney has other plans for them uh, and they might be working on a new, yet to be announced, Disney Plus series. So Marvel is looking for a new director. They do want it to be a woman. And it's interesting. Marvel has received a lot of criticism, deservedly so, for its lack of gender representation among its directors. But both of their major 2020 releases are going to be directed by women. Kate Shortland directed The Black Widow. It's coming out pretty shortly here. And Chloe Zhao is at work on The Eternals, which comes out later. Uh, So we wanted to talk about which woman that they're looking for, a woman director, could be in charge of Captain Marvel. The ideas that, that we came up with, or that I came up with, I should say, and Jesse, you you had some thoughts on. Yeah. Uh, the, I thought of uh, Jennifer Kent, most famous for the Babadook. I think that Marvel likes to pull from horror directors. Yeah. They like working with people who have a spooky sensibility. It's an easy fit to go from superhero to go to superheroes from spooky stuff. Uh, Lexi Alexander, less known, but she was actually the first woman to direct a uh, to direct a Marvel movie back before the Marvel Cinematic Universe 
she directed one of the Punisher movies. Uh, and I think this was your favorite, Marielle Heller. Yeah. Just directed It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And you met with Marielle Heller, right? Yeah, I got a chance to meet her and some of the cast and the writers of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood uh, back at the Toronto International Film Festival not that long ago. And not only was I impressed for her incredibly unique and bold vision for that film. I don't know. Did you get mm-hmm. a chance to see A Beautiful Day in the yes. Neighborhood? Yeah, I, I did finally get to see it. And you're absolutely right. It was so unexpected and so thoughtful. And, and, and uh, only she could have brought that yeah, movie it, to the way that it happened. Without giving too much away about that particular film, she makes a very bold, stylistic choice that it really sets the tone for the entire movie. And I was just, you, you know, I think she, you know, and Can You Ever Forgive Me is an incredible film, too. I think she, I she's like a, a, lot, a yeah. visionary director, and I would like to see what she could do with a massive budget that Marvel could mm-hmm. afford. Yeah, you know, exactly. And she was also just an, a very thoughtful person. It was very, uh, it was very nice meeting her. And that's what I think where Marvel really thrives is getting directors who are really good with with actors on smaller, more intimate levels. Yeah. The studio knows how to handle those big fight scenes and CGI yeah. sequences. What they need is somebody who knows how to work really well with dialogue and yeah. characterization. Yeah, exactly. And Heller could obviously do that really well. Yeah. I also thought, and I would love to see Lulu Wang get a shot at this. Uh, the Farewell is one of my favorite movies of yeah. the last year. She did a, did a great job with that. Can't wait to see what's next for her. And then I think my number one pick was Olivia Wilde. I feel like her book smart was almost an audition for a Marvel movie in terms of its humor, some of the action sequences that it put together, the characterization. It feels like it would be a very easy tonal and aesthetic shift into the MCU. And while they said that she'd be open to doing that. So it makes a lot of sense to me. If I was going to put down money today, that's who I would bet on. I'm pretty shocked at a list of uh, some of the Hollywood's preeminent female directors that you've assembled for a Marvel movie does not include Greta Gerwig. But I, I will say that's probably a conversation for another pot. We're already on the yeah, probably, We're already it, over. So. Yeah, we're going a little over we'll time. We'll hear your this defense is not a, this another is not day. A slight, this is not a slight to Greta Gerwig at all. Everybody knows how I feel about Greta. <laughs> well, Tyler, thanks, man. Hey, thanks, Jesse. Hey, to read more about those stories and everything else we're covering today, and there's actually a ton of content today. I mean, we're, you're you're scratching the surface. There, there's some great long form features about you know, particularly spiritual development, and calling. Really proud of the lineup we got going today. Uh, make sure to check out relevantmagazine.com. Uh, also, if you can always follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram to see the latest. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to our other podcasts and our weekly newsletter, where you can get it. Get all these kind of stories emailed right to you directly. And remember, we're here every weekday bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks for listening, everyone. Seriously. Thank you. This is Roman Daily.